Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Caffeine Before Bed. That's right, we actually decided to come back for more. All right, this week we have Andrew as our guest, a recurring uh, guest on the show. Andrew, say hi. Hello, everyone. Again. How have you been? I've been all right. I've been pretty busy finishing up school. But yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Very good. So this week we have something a little bit different. We have both have curated carefully and lovingly and thoughtfully a long list of many interesting questions that we're going to discuss. Uh, it's going to be a bit more of a casual episode this week, uh, but hopefully it'll be it'll be fun. So I hope I know Andrew. You have many yeah, have fascinating questions. Yeah. Why don't you lead off with All your right. question? I'll lead it off. So, given the contemporary world's, you know, large population, lots of knowledge, very wealthy, especially, you know, first world countries um, in Western Europe and then North America and all the educational opportunities we have, why does society no longer produce great art? Interesting. Ooh, uh, do you have something you want to start off with, or are you no, just no, gonna no, throw no, me in the deep end right first. off? Okay. Fascinating. Um. All right. Other than I have a first question. While I'm while I'm thinking, what are we defining as art? Is that written, visual, and audio, and then a mix of the three? So I like think, books, movies, yeah, I would, as I well would, as yeah, visual I would, art. I would say generally a mix of the three, but more. What what if we limited it more true? First all, first of all, what if we limited it strictly to traditional art? Okay. Um, yeah. So let's start there. Fascinating. Well, see so you now I feel really embarrassed to ask my questions later because they're not yeah, really that good. Uh, uh, I think that it's partly due to the social pendulum effect that a lot of different cultural movements have so you'll see it in uh renaissance into romanticism and then modernism and postmodernism. they're all they're all reactionary so they all respond kind of going to the other other ditch so to speak of the previous movement and mm-hmm. so with the state of the world we're in, with such a rejection of traditionalism, just in general, in politics, society, um, idealism, and even some uh, societal views of religion as well, I think we just have this rejection of the traditional. And because the traditional is good art, objectively... It takes time and effort and skill and practice and all these different things to produce something that is visually valuable and engaging. That because it's such a negative response to that, it therefore and because of you know being brought up in a culture that deals with, uh, well, assumes that we're all evolutionary. You know that's that's where we come from. So we're all just sacks of goo that eventually gain sentience. There's no innate value to that, and so and you know it's survival of the fittest. So because there's no value in the world, and there's it took no effort to get here. There was just lots of death that had to occur to get there. Then the, I think that nihilistic 
worldview, whether consciously or not, shapes the you know creative outpourings of that society. I also find it interesting that even the people who are leading I mean obviously I haven't asked any of them, but I could I could give a well reasoned answer to say that even most of the people leading these projectionist um movements and whatnot would still consider those pieces great art even though they're trying to move away from that ideal in that traditional sense right because you can't you can't deny what beauty is which is and uh, it's interesting you brought this up because if you go to somewhere like switzerland and austria and you're standing in between the mountains and you see these great valleys you have the alps on one side beautiful sky you know, beautiful valleys, rivers, and all this stuff. Or you go to Yosemite, and it's the same thing. Everyone will go there and say, wow, that's beautiful. Or if you see a sunset over the ocean, it's the same thing. Because those views, visually, we are hardwired by God to think that those are beautiful. And so you can't see something that is objectively beautiful and then say, ah, no, that's trash. Especially because... You know, if you've ever tried, if if anyone has ever tried to pick up a pen or a pencil or a set of paintbrushes and then tried to recreate something, it's never as good as you see it in your head. And so you can recognize the skill as well. Whereas anyone, any two-year-old with fingers and access to unsupervised access to paint can create something like a Jackson Pollock. Right. And I think I think part of it is also, I mean, what I've been writing about recently in relation to obviously dystopian novels and whatever is the idea that when a culture starts to read less and move toward quick entertainment, like short-form content nowadays, there's much less activity. That's one of, that's one of the arguments I made in my paper, is that uh, free speech and a wealth of books, whether digital, digital or physical, actually create and foster activity, and activity, both physical and mental, within a culture. Mental, obviously, because you have... If, if it is good literature, then you will have to consider it while you are reading it. You can't just breeze through good literature. There, there is thought that, you know, obviously that subconsciously pops up. And it actually breeds physical activity as well because once you are given and once there are things to think about about the nature of the world, you know, whether if it's nonfiction, then you have, you basically have an a foundation and an ability to see what's happened and then you can go out and act and do either do differently or mimic the good things in history and then build a foundation from there and if you're reading fiction then you can see you know either go out and see the wonder in the world that is like a fantasy novel or go and try to create the technology and advancement of a science fiction story so that's that's part of it is since as a as a culture especially here in America with TikTok and YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels and all these things, all this this short form content and this just quick dopamine release, we're not actually taking the time to even think. And and I think yeah, there's an interesting thing I was I was watching the other day uh, about the difference between being and I think this is this goes into a lot of what you're talking about. The difference between a consumer culture, a, a culture based on consuming, and a culture based on creating. Because there's so... And I was actually in a bookstore the other day. And it's it was interesting to just be in a bookstore 
and look around and see all all of these books, however thick they are and however valuable they are, because you know some literature is innately more valuable than others, uh, was created by someone. It took time and effort to create that, but that's not the norm anymore. It's all this short form. And I actually did a debate about this. Um, kind of, it was it was for a class. We had we had the topic of should TikTok be banned. It was a team debate, an hour long thing. Uh, but one of our points was the creative energy of a society is now going into this short form consumer content. It's all about consuming because if you have a long form thing like a book or a movie and movies even so are, are a little bit, you know, on the shorter side, it's only an hour of your time, but something like a book or art that's repeatedly valuable, it, there's this element of putting all this effort into creating it. For something, rather than creating it just for it to be consumed in, just for you know, profit, and or or just just to be consumed. Because if you think about the amount of stuff that is created, it's I forget what the metric is. It's however many hundreds of thousands or millions of hours per day that are posted yeah. on the internet. But then it's all for the sake of consumption instead of for the sake of production. There's there's no. It's not, you never make something just to make it. You don't climb a mountain because it was there anymore. It's climbing a mountain so that other people can consume See that you've it climbed quickly. The mountain. And uh, yeah, and make a profit, like you said. Yeah. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how. Well, actually, let me back up. Because no culture falls, you know, Rome didn't fall in a day. As the saying goes, the, a society doesn't devolve and stagnate immediately. It takes a span of years. That's you know what we talk about in Fahrenheit 451 and 1984 and all these all these dystopian novels. You know, society doesn't whether it's the government whether it's mainly the government's influence or it's society doing it to it destroying itself. It doesn't happen quickly. It's it's a it's a frog boiling. So frog hopping into a pot that slowly boils, or whatever that saying is, doesn't know it's being boiled. That one. Yeah. It's society. Society slowly killing itself. But the the question is when when is the pot boiling? Right. It's it's when a is, very when are we when are we line. when are we done for? When is when does the at what point will society collapse? At least Western society collapse due to this in, increase in you know, consumerism and all that. And when does it collapse in such a way that it's not irrecoverable, but that it's... Because that's the other interesting thing, too, is societies can come back in such violent revivals that are not violent as in physical violent, but as in right. meteoric, that they can just, you know, smash back into being in a short amount of time because people are really invested. And, yeah, so it's interesting to see how far how far the mighty have fallen and how yeah. far that there is still yet to fall before they go splat i suppose well then when do you think at what at what point do you think it it becomes irrecoverable that's a great question and i would say part of it is when part of it's when the idiots are in charge both socially and politically when the idiots have the loudest voice and are running the show, I wouldn't say that's when it's irrecoverable, but that's when you know you're in a bad state. 
And then mm. I think it's done for when those are true, and then the majority of the people agree with those people, especially the people that are have the loudest social voice, the idiots in charge of the social voice. I think that's when you're done for. Because if you have people in charge that that are stupid, and then you have people that are that have the loudest voice socially that are stupid, but your vast majority of people don't agree, they're just not going to say anything about yeah, it. Yeah, nothing's going to. Then you're happen. fine. But once the people buy into that, I think then you're just then you're done in rings because you got you got nowhere to go but down at that point. Right. Lovely, lovely things to think about, especially as we walk into elections in the next coming years and adulthood, of course. Yeah, that's fun. Uh... So many things. Uh, let's see. Well, here's a here's a little lighter one. If you do, you want a lighter? You want a lighter, lighter question? One, yeah. You wanna, you wanna. Well, then here's a lighter one. So, if you, for whatever reason, had to take over the world, how would you do it, and why? How would I do it? How would mm. you do it, and why would you do it? What would why be would what would be the, the catalytic reason for you to take over the world, and how would you do it? The catalytic reason for me to take over the world would likely be. It would be either really trivial or really deep. It would be I had to put up with one too many idiots, and so then I'm like, all right, well, I guess the train stagnating no more with me around. Yep. And then the other reason would be something more deep, like there was a great injustice to my family done that I had to, you know, real real storybook stuff, you know, you know, villain creating stuff. But how would I do it? How would you Um, do it? I would do it. I would like to do it really subtly and manipulate like really puppeteer like like all behind the scenes blackmail all toppling nations from the inside out that would be how i do it i wouldn't it would be really cool to be able to take over the world without firing a bullet personally i think that would be and just like prowling around behind the scenes doing all that i think that'd be super interesting and super fun uh but yeah what about you how would you do it and why would you do it uh if if it really came down to it, yeah, it'd either be something, it'd either be something deep, like, you know, actually, I don't know. I think I think if I if I actually if I did do it, it'd be because someone bet me I couldn't. <laughs> you won't know both. Yeah, it would it would be something like you like you're not capable, or you can't do it, and so I would just say, all right, watch me. I can. No spite. I'm yeah. Basically, it would be spite. Just to just to say, look, I can do it. I'm. I'm smart enough. I can figure it out. And yeah, it would be a lot of, it would be a lot of, I would see, it'd be fun. Don't get me wrong. It'd be fun to do it very subtly and manipulatively behind the scenes, but it would also be fun. I would like to have enough of a presence where people, where people, you're always in the corner of someone's eye. Oh yeah. And then by the time they see you in the corner of, their eye, uh, you're already you're already done skis with them. You're you've already you've already taken all of you know all of their power and influence by the you time got what they you see came for. But then, but they know, but people know that you're there and they know that uh-huh. you're coming. That's like that's I want to like, be I want to be the I want to be the Baba Yaga. I want to yeah. It's it's I forget what the quote's from, but it's like, uh, why do you wear white? It makes you such a target. It's like no, I wear white because then, uh. When I walk up to people, they know who I am, and then their hands are shaking so much that they can't pull the trigger. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. That's what I want. So you you know, oh man, if he's coming for me, you you know me enough that if I'm coming for you, you know you're done. Yeah, that would be that would be an interesting add-on to the whole behind the scenes. Although I think that blackmails would be you well, know sure. actively like I think I think it's more of the idea for me of checkmate where you have no other option. Like I I am such the strategic manipulator, right? That you have no other option but to give everything to me. And then you just do that on repeat. I think that would be then they're like, ah, I have no other op- no other moves. Like, yep. That's all part of the plan. But yeah, I think that you know, just showing up at the end being just like tipping the hat and everything and then just walking yeah. away. Yeah, yeah it'd be pretty, pretty good. Well, all right, yeah. I have a I have a question. Alright. What what challenge in life do you think everyone should face at one point or another? Ooh. Not being able to do the one thing that they like doing. Okay, explain. Like, you should have, you should at some point, well, not necessarily the one thing you like doing, but one thing you really enjoy doing. Everyone should experience not being able to do that for some period of time. Whether or not that's permanent is up to God, obviously. But, uh, because it forces, it just forces you to become a well rounded individual. And it would create m- more. It would create more empathetic, sympathetic people and more uh, competent people, because yeah. it forces adaptability. And it, it not just forces, and it forces adaptability because you don't have your crutch. Yeah, of activity or belief or whatever to go to. You have to you have to branch out because it's the thing the thing that you the thing that you most want you can't have right yeah I think that's a good one what about I you th- th- what do you think I think uh, mine's a bit more broad because there's a whole lot of things I think everyone should experience at one point or another but I think if you had to narrow it down to one thing I would say it would be helplessness because. Don't get me wrong, it is the one feeling in life that I hate more than anything else is helplessness. Like, being right. checkmated, essentially. But it's because it requires you to turn to God. Because you have no way of doing anything. And turn to other people. Like Once you can't do it by yourself anymore, it requires you to let go. Because you, because when when that happens, you're always holding on too tight to something, whether it's you know that idea that you're chasing, the person, the relationship, whatever idol it is, you have to drop it because there's nothing else you can do, and it forces you to go outside of yourself, and I think that's valuable. Huh. Interesting. Fair enough. Yeah, that's a good one. You got any more? Should I whip up another one? You should whip up another one. Whip up another one. Okay. Um. Hmm. Here's a similar one, I guess. What is so? Oh, actually, well, yeah, we can do that one later. What is something that most people learn after it's too late? Uh, ooh, what's what, something most people only learn after it's too late? Ooh, what's the f- first thing to come to mind? 
One thing. Ooh, that's a good one. I would say it would have to be something along the lines of. Ooh, dang, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. Again, probably learning to adapt. Like people who people don't learn that there's multiple. Ah, uh, yeah, it'd be learning that there's that there's that there's a bunch of options out there. Basically, take risks and yeah. just go for things. Take risks. Well, not just taking risks, but when that there's that there's not only one solution to things, right? That you can take a bunch of different paths to find a result. In most cases, now I'm not saying that's true for and, all the cases, but. And so then, how do you think people figure that out when it's too late? What is too um, late for adapting, or like what you're talking about? Uh, too late is they let it happen twice. Okay, so explain that a little bit. Most people, I, I would argue that a lot of people just keep making the same mistake, and there should there's no reason for you to make the same mistake. Like once you once you've made a mistake, you shouldn't be making that mistake again. Because hopefully you have learned what the mistake is, right? And That's so I think true. It, it does get a bit harder. And I'm not saying, you... and I'm, and that is idealistic. Yeah, I was gonna, gonna say honest. it gets it is, when you kind of insert human nature into that. But yeah, it is I idealistic. Get it is idealistic. From. But in a lot of cases, there are a bunch of very avoidable things that people just refuse to to look back and see, oh, hey, this has already happened. Why don't we make it not happen again? Yeah, I can see that. I think for me, it would be thankfulness, like an appreciation. Yeah. Because so many people, it's like the saying, you know, you don't know what you have to fun. But there's so much, and I think about this in, in one of the statistics. Uh, it's like 80 or 90% of guys never get flowers until they die. And it's on their casket that they have flowers. And it's that like and and that's kind of a, a cheesy example, but it's and it is a deeper one I suppose because it, it deals with death, but that idea of appreciate things while you have them. And and the other thing too is so many times and I've experienced this in my own life when it's really hard when it is really hard be thankful for the hard because it won't it doesn't make sense now and it won't make sense in a couple months but looking back in 2 years it'll all fit together 2 to 5 10 years whatever it is it'll make sense in the long run and so to be thankful and you can look back and see how all the dots connect but those hard times you should be thankful for them and you should be thankful for the good times as well and the and generating that, and it, you can't drum it up within yourself. You need, you need God to help you with it. But having that constant thanksgiving for everything, no one because you you have so many good things in life, and then when they're gone, you're like, oh man, I really appreciated that. But then not in the moment. Like I didn't know what I had, and that happens with people and relationships and things and all these and all the stuff. But I think a lot of people let life and things go by and don't and aren't thankful for it because there's a difference in appreciating things and being thankful for things mm -hmm. and i think that there's there's a it's a good to be both but i think just being thankful 
outside of Thanksgiving Day once a year, just constantly being thankful for things. I think that a lot of people let that go by until it's too late. Interesting. A fascinating point. Thank you, sir. Do you have another one? I do not have another one. Okay, well, I'll ask another one while you while you ruminate. Yes. Oh, here's an interesting one. In 40 years, what do you think people are going to be nostalgic for? So say, say, let's just simple it. When we're 50, what do you think we're going to be nostalgic for? Uh, Fortnite. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh, what's that song? Uptown Funk? Yep. Yep. That's the one. I hate that I knew exactly what you're talking about. It's because, it's because we will be. Yeah, it was 2015, 2016. Yeah, everyone's, we're all going to be nostalgic for that because that's kind of, well, that's, Kind of what we all, it was kind of the time, right? Yeah. I think we'll, we'll be nostalgic for all that. We'll be nostalgic for gas cars, probably. Um, oh, I hope not. I hope that there's still gas cars. You know, I'm probably right, though. That's the sad part. Yeah, that is the sad part. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think I classic know. stuff, like the Wii, I think a lot of people are going to be nostalgic for the Wii, just in oh, general. Oh, people are already going to be nostalgic for the Already That's nostalgic. That's true. We still have it, though, which I am very thankful for. Well, yeah. Uh, the Wii, like classic, classic games. I do think Uptown Funk. I hate that you said Fortnite and that you're right. Like old. I'm. Old I am right. Fortnite. I'm not gonna. I'm not wrong. What was that? Was that? That came out end of 2017, 2018. That was. Man, I was an OG crazy. Fortnite kid, dude. Yeah, back when it was cool. Back when it was cool. Yeah, that was <laughs> wild times. Oh uh, yeah, man. I mean, you'd be in high school again. Yeah. Oh, to be. Based on the genie that gives you three wishes, what wishes granted would have the most impact on our world? Uh, what do you, uh, hold on. That's a very new, give it again, run it back. Based on the genie that gives you three wishes. Right. What three wishes would have the greatest impact on our world? Probably the one to destroy the world, that would probably, uh. Oh my gosh. Up a bit. You're four years old. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh no. I always like the 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 way around all the rules that says I want uh I want a, a, a note a very thick notepad and a pen and anything I write on the notebook comes true. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, that's Cause pretty. Because the, then you're not technically asking for more wishes, and it's technically limited, but yeah. you're also going to get your money's worth. See, the thing is, I know, I know, impact doesn't necessarily define either good or bad. But I would leave the world how it is. I mean, I know it's all terrible and everything, supposedly and whatever. I mean, but... I could make a few, you know, executive changes, but you know. <laughs> On the whole, <laughs> a few here. What if I had a hundred billion dollars? No, uh, but like I would, I would leave the world as it is because God knows well, what he's doing. Well, that's what it is today, right? Yeah, I feel like in the grand like scheme if of we things, if we change the grand scheme of things, I feel like God knows what he's doing better than I would. I, I feel so. like I feel like he probably does. Yeah, chances are, chances are he's doing an all right job. Yeah, I, I think he's got it under control. Especially, that was actually the thing. You know, growing up, you're like, oh man, if I was God, I would give myself a flaming sword or whatever. You're like, all right. But then as, you're, as you get older, you're like, <laughs> you're like I, oh, feel, you're... I feel like God's got it and I would make a terrible God. That's, 
absolutely crazy. And the more you look at Zeus, you realize that human-like gods are uh, probably are not, not really gods at all. Yep. I don't know if you looked at them. We should talk about if you think, because you said you had uh, strong feelings about this. Oh, yes. Is cereal a soup? So, yes. Alright. So it is a soup. And it's kind of not debatable because I, I have I have proof. There's a there's a video out there by a man called Dragoon where he scientifically proves that everything is soup. Hold on. Hold on. And I I trust that man. He he's definitely right. So the the catch here is how you define soup. Right? So I don't remember how he defines soup, but cereal is a soup. And the, I mean, it's got, you've got a liquid and you've got a harder material inside it that is, you know, manipulated by this warmer liquid, right? For flavoring. Warmer liquid? What are you well, putting in what, your that's cereal? What, that's what soup is, right? But... That's right? what traditional soup is, but if you think of cereal, right? Milk as I mean, I'm assuming you're putting milk in your cereal. I probably that would right. be right. So you got you got milk in your cereal. Well, what does the milk do? It flavor. It adds flavoring to the harder substance. Let's say you had a a chicken noodle soup. Well, what does the broth do? Well, it adds flavoring to both the noodles and the chicken, both of which are harder substances. The same can be said for cereal, except it's just cold soup. You see what I'm going with? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. And on that bombshell, it is time to end the episode for today. Thank you all so much for listening. We have... Be sure to go check out thinkingnoises.com if you haven't already. There'll be new content out pretty soon. And thank you all so much for listening. Have a wonderful night.